0: You're on educationforlife.com radio with Kevin Conover. And if you listen long enough, your faith will become
1: Unshot.
2: I'm tired of being conned. Don't worry the con is over she.
0: We're now at Def Con one Did you say carnivore or carnivore?
2: conversation with Kevin. Then call 800-243-9719. And now, here's your host, Kevin Conover.
0: Bring your time and bring your shame. Bring your
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host Kevin Conover, and we have a very special guest today. His name is Eric Buer. He is a uh, he, he is the president of Gateways to Better Education. He's also a former teacher himself, uh, and what he does is look at the legality of talking about the Bible and Christianity and Jesus and God in the public schools, and it's very exciting. Yet, there's actually a conference here in San Diego coming up Saturday, October 21st, nine to twelve thirty. It's a fantastic opportunity if you're a teacher in the public schools and you want to get clarity about what's okay to talk about. We've got uh, holidays coming up, including uh, Thanksgiving and Christmas, and you know this always becomes a hot topic around this time of year. People are concerned about, hey, I don't want to violate uh, the law, you know, separation of church and state, and people are wondering, hey, what's okay and what's not? And so Eric is going to give clarity at this conference. He'll be down here in San Diego. Apples for Teachers is hosting that. That's that's at the Rock Church, again, October 21st, 9 to 1230, and uh, that's for K through 12 public school Christian teachers. Uh, It's for teachers in general, but if you're a Christian teacher, you're especially going to find it educational and really uh, on point with some of the issues that we're wrestling with here in our culture today. Eric, thank you so much for being uh, with us on the show today.
4: Thank you. Good to be with you, Kevin.
3: Absolutely. And uh, you have um, uh, the honor of getting a uh, reference from Chuck Colson. That's pretty incredible. Did you get to meet Chuck Colson?
4: Yes. I, uh, I used to write commentaries for Chuck for his uh, Breakpoint uh, radio commentary when it came to education issues. And uh, so um had a had a good working relationship with him and he was very kind in giving me a nice endorsement.
3: Yeah, yeah, it, sa- it says here Eric is a unique and much needed voice in our country. What he is doing to equip parents and teachers is vital. I personally appreciate how he has kept me informed on education issues which we've used frequently on Breakpoint. What a what an awesome uh, commentary from such a influential uh person and uh, really loving and kind person Chuck Colson was amazing. Ah, uh, no, he was. Yeah. So, and and for you to get to work with him personally, that's amazing. But you have endorsements from other uh, other uh, uh, popular people in our culture today, and uh, like Josh McDowell, Doctor D. James Kennedy, Rabbi, Rabbi uh, Daniel uh, here, and you've also been um, in Focus on the Family magazine as well. Uh, talked about this, and so I'm just curious. Uh, your ministry was founded. Uh, in, in the 1990s, right? What year specifically?
4: Yeah, 91 actually, yeah.
3: So what was the impetus behind that? What got you, uh, you know, what made you decide that this was an issue that you felt needed to be addressed?
4: Well, I was a teacher in public school and uh, up in Seattle area and was just very concerned uh, about what I saw happening in our culture and in my own profession as a teacher and uh, felt very led by the Lord to do something about it. Um, And initially, I got involved more in the political side of things. That's what brought me down here to Southern California, Mm -hmm. um, and got involved with um, school board races and promoting candidates and organizing people. Did that for about five years. But then um, just the teacher's heart in me kept saying, there's got to be a way to help change what happens in classrooms it's not just about winning at the uh, at the electoral level yeah so
3: and- eric uh, just to so when you said you were concerned about what you saw happening in the culture and you saw happening in the classroom um can you share with our listeners what what it was you saw that was bothering you
4: well back in the 80s and early 90s it was just the rise of secular humanism mm. uh, we now know it no more as atheism that uh, back then it was secular humanism and just the the that pervasive uh, attitude of separation of church and state you can't talk about religious things we have to all pretend we're atheists when we're in the classroom. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it, I just saw it as a real corrosive uh, effect on the education students were getting. and uh, and
3: corrosive in what way? What do you mean?
4: Well, it was just that if you if a generation grows up without connecting it, virtue and faith to their actions, then you have students who uh, just are functioning by their feelings and they, hey, what do I think? What do I want to do? And, uh, I remember once distinctly uh, asking my students, Hey, um, how many of you think that stealing is okay? Oh, wow. Half my, half my class raised their hand. The stealing was, Hey, you know, if it's yours, if you don't, if you don't have it and you want it, it's okay. And, I realized, wow, we, this this is real. I, I wanted my kids to say the Pledge of Allegiance. Mm. They wouldn't say the Pledge of Allegiance. Hey, we haven't said that since third grade, man. That's old fashioned. We don't do that anymore.
3: And that was and and what year was that where you were experiencing that? Was that, the,
4: that was in the eighties. Wow. And so I said, okay, um, they really don't understand the meaning behind the pledge. And uh, so I began to teach them what each phrase of the pledge means. I got into one nation under God. One of the students said, well, we can't say that separation of church and state. Oh,
3: my goodness. (laughs) (laughs) It's it's in the Pledge of Allegiance.
4: Yeah. And, you know, this was back before it was all controversial. Yeah. And um, and so then I said, "Okay, well, let's let's take that out. How about one nation under the president? We discussed that for a few minutes. You know, well, wait a second. That sounds like a dictatorship. You know, if uh, if he doesn't like you, he takes your rights away.
1: Yeah.
4: I <laughs> said, okay, how about one nation under Congress? No, no, that's the same sort of thing. If they don't like you, they take your rights away. I said, okay, so we need to have somebody who's higher than everybody so that no one can take anybody's rights away. And one student said, well, only God could do that. I said, okay, <laughs> one nation under God. Now we get it. And by that's the time fantastic. I got done with that, yeah. Yeah. By the time I got done with that, then the students stood and said the pledge and uh, had no problem with it. They just it meant nothing to them before that, mm-hmm. and that's what I saw happening is so much of our heritage and the reasons for uh, virtue in our culture were being lost. And you know, the public schools are filled with Christians, Christian superintendents, school administrators, school board members, educators, parents. But we all act as if we're atheists because we don't know that we actually can do a lot to help students see the Bible and Christianity as forces for good in the world. And that's what I now have set my life goal is helping my fellow teachers understand all the things they really can do.
1: Mm, That's fantastic.
4: You know, it's just about... I just say, I just pull back the curtain and say, look, all this time you thought you couldn't do this, but mm. let me show you what the law really says. Let me show you what your state academic standards really expect of you. And uh, people are just shocked because they, they've assumed they bought the lie that you can't talk about any of this stuff in school. And so I, I tell teachers who come to these events, um, look, I'm not trying to get you to sneak something in your classroom Uh, Everything that I'm going to teach you is all above board. You can defend it to any colleague, any parent, any administrator. It's all academic. It's all within the law. It's just that you've assumed you couldn't do all these things, and you don't know how to defend it if somebody challenges you. So I'm going to teach you how to defend it academically. And when they do that, there are no problems. So it's, it's been a wonderful ride to see how God has used this over the years to really strengthen our brothers and sisters who are in the public schools on the front lines and need that ammunition for how do I uh, present these truths in ways that are workable within a public school environment
3: that is so great. Uh, if you've just tuned in, my guest today is Eric Buer, and he is the president of Gateways to Better Education. I highly recommend you take a look at his website. Uh, there is all kinds of valuable resources uh, on there. And stay with us, because what, what you're going to find out is, what is it legal to say as a Christian public school teacher? What are you allowed to talk about uh, that is constitutional? And where is that line drawn? Um, is, a, is a teacher allowed to talk to a, a student about Jesus Christ? Is a teacher allowed to um, share their personal faith in the classroom? Are teachers allowed to pray? Uh, wh- what, where is that line drawn and why is it drawn where it is drawn? And why, when there is so much freedom, why don't more teachers speak up and uh, talk about the issues like God and so forth? So stay with us. We're going to be right back.
1: Be sure to join us for the 9th Annual VES National Apologetic Conference at Maranatha Chapel in San Diego featuring Pastor Ray Bentley and Greg Kogel from Stand to Reason and much more in defense of the sanctity of human life, Friday, October 27 and 28. Register today at conference.ves.edu.
2: 5619
1: I will cast my
3: cares on you. Thanks for tuning in today. My, I'm your host, Kevin Conover. You're on Educate for Life Radio. My website is educateforlife.org or join.educateforlife.org. I have 40 online classes defending the truth of the Bible it's lifetime access. It's one price for the whole family. It's a fantastic tool. If you have questions about God and the Bible or you want to know the answers that other people to questions that other people have about God and the Bible, it's a great place to get those answers and to be able to share them and strengthen your faith so that you feel more confident in sharing the truth of Jesus Christ in the Bible. It's a great Great uh, tool to be able to use. So I'd I'd love it if you would check that out. My guest today is Eric Buer, and he's with Gateways to Better Education, and uh, he's going to be down here in San Diego on Saturday, October twenty first, right around the corner here, nine to twelve thirty. It's for K through twelve public school teachers. A fantastic opportunity for you to hear directly from somebody who is an expert on the education code on the constitution and what your rights are as a christian in the public schools so uh, eric you were telling us about uh, how you got this ministry rolling in in the 90s uh, early 90s and uh, here we are in 2017 so uh, give us a quick uh, kind of a history of the ministry and what you've seen happen over time, uh, the opportunities you've had to be able to impact uh, the culture and also to impact uh, Christian teachers and how they're able to interact in the schools?
4: Well, when we first began, um, we were primarily focused on parents, uh, interestingly enough, because the five years I spent organizing um, citizens to be involved with school board races, I dealt a lot with parents on how to impact school boards. And so kind of a natural outgrowth of that was then continuing to help parents. And we had a whole waterfront of issues. It wasn't just faith and values issues. It was, you know, um, phonics versus whole language. It was block scheduling. It was uh, all-day kindergarten. It was kind of a bunch of, you know, funding. It was a lot of conservative causes and issues. But And the thing that God was revealing that we were really helping people with had to do with almost like an apologetic ministry, making the case for the Bible and Christianity in a public school environment.
1: Hmm.
4: And um, so after a couple of years, um, one of the things that I had written was a Christmas card that parents could give to their kids teachers that explained uses a funny little story about Santa visiting a teacher on Christmas Eve. And they get into this conversation. She says, Oh, I can't teach about the real Christmas. I can only teach about you. And he says, wow, you know, well, when he's not making toys, he likes to read American case law. And he begins to explain (laughs) to her what the law really says. (laughs) That's funny. And and by the end of the the little booklet, it's an eight page booklet, he says, you know, I guess I've given you the best gift I could have given you. I gave you freedom. And now you can teach the truth to students about what Christmas is all about. So I, I uh, printed this up and I literally photocopied it and sent it out to about 500 of our supporters. And uh, we started getting responses back that, hey, this was really helpful. I used this <laughs> in the classroom. The teacher's now teaching about Christmas. So through a uh, contact I had with Focus on Family, I I said I, I called the editor and I said, hey, could I write a couple of paragraphs about this and just see if your readers are interested? Wrote a couple of paragraphs. They put it in the in their magazine. Um, they had a great response. I think two thousand people responded requesting more information. Wow. He loved it. So he said, let's do it again. And then the third year, I got I was starting to get so many stories about how it was changing what was happening in classrooms. Uh, people were writing me saying, you know, the nativity scenes are coming out from the closet and coming back out onto the desk. Oh, and that's so great. Teachers are reading from the Bible the Luke 2 story of the birth of Jesus and all. And Christmas carols are coming back into the classroom. So I wrote this this story up, submitted it, and as God would have it, they decided to make it the cover story. And uh, that became the second highest um, response in the magazine's history when they gave the author's address and said contact the author we had i think 10,000 people in about a 3 month period oh whoa <laughs> uh, yeah and that that literally moved us from our kitchen table to our first office and uh, and then we were launched and uh, so that you know opened doors then for uh, other relationships with uh, alliance defending freedom mm-hmm. the, the colson center and chuck and um we began then also realizing that while we were working with parents on a number of issues dealing with faith and values, really it was about using the parents as a conduit to get to the teacher and how the teacher then could be impacted by the parent's life. Um, we, we coined the term relational activism <clears throat> for parents. It's about the relationships. It's not about political activism. God's put you in relationship with teachers in your kids' schools. How are you using those relationships be it, to be an influence? And um, so then we, we started to realize, why don't we just also talk directly to the teachers? So I developed a workshop, and that's the workshop that I'm bringing down to San Diego uh, for teachers, And it just goes through all the – the first half is foundational truths, what the the law says, what the academic standards say, what the research says about moral development with students and religion, and the culture and understanding that it's part of our culture. And then the second half of the seminar is all practical applications. So you have the confidence building at the beginning that this is good, it's right, it's legal – And then how do I make it work in my classroom? And we go across the curriculum, kindergarten through 12th grade, and uh, talk about how biblical worldview can be brought into the classroom in an appropriate way, and teachers all come away with things they can immediately do the next Monday.
1: Wow.
3: That's so fantastic. Boy, I I hope, I'm going to really talk this up. Uh, I'm a teacher in a Christian high school, and of course, I'm a Bible teacher. I have plenty of freedom, but... Um, I actually ran for school board in november uh i was i did not win but but uh i'm I'm concerned about this issue too um the stats that I've been reading about the impact or you know the lack of impact uh of christianity uh in the public schools um is pretty devastating um I was reading George Barna you know the statistician who looks at a lot of what's happening he says here um Millennials are leaving the church, nearly 6 in 10 young people who grew up in Christian churches end up walking away, and the unchurched segment among millennials has increased in the last decade from 44 to 52%, mirroring a larger cultural trend away from church going in America. And I thought that was uh, you know, of course this is very telling, this is the kind of stats we've been hearing for a while now, but but um you're seeing do you believe that this attack, you know, that started, you know, the whole separation of church and state thing is what has caused um there to be an increase in agnosticism in our culture. Do you think, uh, you know, God not being in the schools, the Bible not being able to be freely taught in the schools? Do you think that that has is is what's caused that?
4: Well, definitely, things that happen in the schools translates into the culture. Because, for instance, um, is it any wonder now that we're seeing when it comes to Christmas? Um, businesses, private businesses telling their employees, don't say Merry Christmas, that might be offensive, Mm. uh, or that sort of thing. Well, it makes sense when the people in those businesses have lived their 12 years of life growing up in a school environment that has said, don't say Merry Christmas, that's offensive. Uh, that's uh, illegal separation of church and state and so forth. And so they, that's the culture that they absorb. Uh, in education, we talk a lot about more is caught than taught. Mm-hmm. And what they catch is, yeah, this is just not appropriate to say in this in public environment. So then they take that into the workplace. And now you have a culture that, you know, we won't advertise, we'll say Happy Holidays, we won't say Merry Christmas. Mm-hmm. And so, yes, what happens in schools, that cultural mindset that gets formed there can translate then into the broader culture. And that's why schools are so important. And, you know, thinking of Barna, I know another piece of his research when it comes to um, Christians in public schools Two very surprising statistics. Well, one not so surprising. The other one very.
3: Hold on. Hold on um, right there, Eric. This is a perfect opportunity for me to take a break because you're just about to give some really good information. And so our listeners are going to have to stay over here and uh, tune in for the next segment. So if you're listening out there, don't go anywhere. My guest today is Eric Buer, and he is with Gateways to Better Education. He's about to share some very important information in regards to how – God in the public schools Or a lack of God in, pub- in the public schools Impacts the culture And what's happening And how you can make a difference And get involved We're going to be right back
1: Before I bring my need I will bring my heart
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. If you are a teacher in a public school, specifically if you are a Christian teacher who has a Christian faith, and you're curious about how to respond to the issues of separation of church and state, what's legal, what's not legal when it comes to your faith, um, and these sorts of issues, well, this is the perfect opportunity for you. In uh, On October 21st, Saturday, 9 to 1230, 9 a.m. to 1230, Gateways to Better Education and Eric Buer are going to be here in San Diego at the Rock Church. It's for K-12 through public school teachers. If you know a teacher, please spread the word. This is a fantastic opportunity. It's being hosted by Apples for Teachers, who I've also had um, the president of Apples for Teachers on the air here. And uh, they actually talked about, too, I had a teacher in here, and uh, they talked about how impactful this event was for them and how it totally changed the way they teach and the way they act, and it took away all their fear of being able to talk about God in the public schools. And Eric, uh, right before I uh, so rudely cut you off, you were about to give us some stats from uh, George Barna. Uh, can you share those?
4: Well, just two simple things. One was that um, something like 83% of Christian families send their children to public schools. hmm so this is not a uh, this is not an us versus them. We are them. Yes, <laughs> exactly. We're, we're in the system. Yeah. Uh, and so, the church really needs to get to get its arms around this and mm. uh, and say, we want to equip those people who are in the public schools, um, and we have a whole side of our ministry that deals with the parents and helping with pa- uh, parents as they navigate the public schools. Uh, for teachers, this was another interesting statistic. They said nearly fifty percent. Of the public school teachers they surveyed, and they surveyed uh, over a thousand, uh, said that they were church-attending Christians whose faith was important to them. Wow. <laughs> if, nearly 50%. Oh, my goodness. So, again, you know, it's not us versus them. We are them. Yeah, we, and it, what's in this This reminds
3: like, me of that scripture that says, my, pe- my people perish for lack of knowledge. Yeah. Uh, it's not that we don't have uh, the rights. It's not that we don't have the people. It's that we don't know the information. Is that right?
4: It's absolutely right. Um, give you a, a jaw-dropping piece of information that can happen in California. In fact, it's expected to happen in California. Every sixth- grade student in California is expected to learn the gospel according to Paul.:
3: Yeah now, now wait a second. What do you mean by it "is expected to learn, expected by who?
4: California Department of Education.
3: Oh, no, Eric, come on. You're lying to me. You're, you're a Christian. <laughs> you cannot lie. On,
4: <laughs> what? Yeah. what? Okay. The California, every state has what they call state standards. Yeah. They develop academic standards, what they want a first grader to learn, a second grader to learn, and so forth. California has very robust standards, and they're very detailed. Uh, they, and they cover, when it comes to issues of faith, they cover all the various religions. But what I find is teachers don't have a problem teaching about Islam or Buddhism. Mm. You know, those are other religions. But when it comes to Christianity, oh, I think there's a violation of separation of church and state if I do this.
3: Okay, wait. Now, repeat that one more time. This is somewhere in the education code. Do you, can you uh, – yeah. somebody's going to want to fact check this. They're not going to
4: – Sure. Well, you go to, go to California Department of Education's website uh-huh. and look up the academic standards for history, social science. It's there. And here's what it says – for sixth grade. I'm okay. quoting now. Yeah. Students are to note the origins of Christianity in the Jewish messianic prophecies. That means like study Isaiah 53. Wow. <laughs> the, life, the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth as described in the New Testament. So they'd have to read it.
1: Oh
3: my goodness.
4: And the contribution of St. Paul the Apostle to the definition and spread of Christian beliefs. And then, they put in parentheses, for example, belief in the Trinity, resurrection, and salvation.
3: Well, this is, I mean, this is basically the Gospel. It's basically, you can, Absolutely. You're, you're giving the Gospel
4: uh, <laughs> as All it recorded in the... Of the Gospel. I mean, start with Romans, you know, uh, 116, I'm not ashamed of the Gospel of Christ, and go right on through what's called the Roman road. Yeah. You know, I mean, <laughs> that's... That's in. This is the current state standards. This is not from 1950. Wait
3: now right now isn't now, somebody going to hear this and try to get this out of the code or something?
4: <laughs> no, no, it's been there since 1998, and it's still there now. Um, and they uh, I want to. I want to find the person
3: that put that in the in the code and shake their hand. I want to like you know.
4: <laughs> <laughs> and uh, now here's what it says about the Old Testament when they're studying ancient Israel. Identify the sources of the ethical teachings and central beliefs of Judaism, the Hebrew Bible, belief in God, observance of law, how the ideas of Hebrew traditions are reflected in the moral and ethical traditions of Western civilization. So that's the Ten Commandments. you, You know, we're talking about, can you post the Ten Commandments? California, you're expected to teach the Ten Commandments and show their relevance to Judeo-Christian Western civilization, law, and so forth. When it comes to 7th grade, students during that period of history, they're studying um, Europe and the Reformation, and they're expected to describe the theological beliefs of Martin Luther, John Calvin, and William Tyndall. Whoa, that's heavy. I mean, I showed that to a pastor, and he said, you know, I want to share that with my youth pastor because... (laughs) I want him to at least teach to the level of the California public School, yeah <laughs> that's great so so
3: do you do you face a lot of pushback when it comes to this sort of stuff because you know i I actually uh, went up to one of the um, superintendents uh, down here um, in East County and um, I said to him, hey, you know have you thought about having some sort of a Bible class?" Da, da, da. and immediately he said, oh, separation of church and state that can't happen and you know i'm I'm kind of confused as to uh, are people just I, I guess it's just a lack of of knowledge is what's where, where do yeah it's it?
4: a lack of knowledge and in fact in ninth grade they can have an elective course on world religions and speak very openly about here's what the Christian message is and here's what Christians believe and so forth. Um, so he's just wrong about the fact that you can't have an elective course on world religions. Now, uh, also,
3: now all- in order for that to happen, Eric, so let's say somebody hears this and they go, I'm going to make this happen. What What does that look like? What's the path to make something like that happen?
4: Well, you would need to go to the school board. Mm-hmm. and you would, uh, you know, appeal to them to, and I wouldn't ex—I wouldn't suggest that you go and make a public announcement about it. Sure. So often, you know, it's really about who you know and the relationships you have. So I always say find someone who knows the school board, talk to that person. You, you take a school board member out to lunch and say, hey, why don't we implement this in our schools? We could offer it this way. And you start to work out the plan so that by the time it actually comes before the school board, you already have the support for it. Um, that's just... You know, politics, that's how you, that's how you get things done. So often we think, you know, you go in, you make the big protest, and yeah. doesn't hap- it doesn't happen that way. It all happens by relationships. Mm. And um, so that, that can easily be done. In California, you can also do um, religious release time, where students can be released from class, go off campus, have straightforward Bible teaching and Bible lessons, come back on campus during school time, and not be counted absent. That's a law here in California that schools can do that. Uh, So uh, there are a lot of things that that can be done that just just aren't done. Mm,
1: That is amazing. We actually have a
4: law in California that protects a teacher when they use uh, the Bible or some other religious text as uh, part of their education. Um, I'll read it to you. It says here,
3: well, no, hold you. on, Eric. We're coming up on a break here, so that's another great place to take a take a pause here. So when we come back, we're going to talk about, and Eric's going to finish what, what I just cut him off here with, uh, talking about what a teacher is about allowed to use in the classroom uh, regarding their faith. So we're going to be right back. Stay with us. This is an amazing uh, conversation and very much needed, so stay with us.
2: How much time and money do you spend buying lattes and espresso drinks? Express Fix Coffee invites you to discover super automatic espresso machines for your home or office. Enjoy delicious coffee drinks at the push of a button. Dave Martin and his local team help you choose the perfect machine for you. Call Express Fix Coffee for new or used espresso machines, repairs, parts, or accessories. Learn more online at ExpressFixCoffee.com. Call Dave at 619-825-3985.
0: There's got to be more
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. You can check us out on YouTube. We've got all kinds of programs up there. Just recently had on the show Denise Schick. Uh, the transgender issue is a very hot topic in our culture right now. And her father uh, told her that he was transgender at nine years old. She's been ministering to those who uh, have dealt with the issue of transgender transgenderism in their families for 13 years. That's a fantastic show to take a look at. Also recently interviewed Lawrence Krauss. If you want to Hear what an atheist thinks about where we came from. He's a very uh, famous atheist physicist, and I got to talk with him. That was an interesting conversation. Also interviewed Dr. James Torr, one of the most famous scientists in the world, uh, considered one of the top 50 scientists in the world who is a Bible-believing Christian, loves Jesus, and uh, demonstrates through science how evolution can't possibly work. And my guest today is Eric Burr, and he's with Gateways to Better Education, gtbe.org, if you want to check that out. Uh, He's going to be down here in San Diego Saturday, October 21st, 9 a.m. to 1230. And if you are a public school teacher, gosh, I don't think there's a better way you could spend your time than with Eric. Uh, He has all kinds of credentials from uh, being on Focus on the Family, being in their magazine, American Family Association Journal, uh, Teachers in Focus he's written for, worked with Chuck Colson, D. James Kennedy, um, all kinds of uh, recommendations and references uh, for the ministry that he's doing. And he is having a dramatic impact on our culture for good. And uh, uh, he's going to give you all kinds of wisdom if you can join him on Saturday, October 21st. That's at the Rock Church here in San Diego. And uh, Eric, um, go ahead and pick up where you left off in our last segment there.
4: Well, I was just going to quote a law, uh, Education Code 51511, that says, Nothing in this code, meaning nothing in all these laws, shall be construed to prevent or exclude from the public schools references to religion or references to or the use. of of religious literature, dance, music, theater, visual arts, or other things having a religious significance when such references or uses do not constitute instruction in religious principles. In other words, you're not trying to have Sunday school or Mm -hmm. catechism. Mm -hmm. They're not promoting a creed or a sectarian thing, but when they are incidental or illustrative of matters properly included in the course of study. So let's go back to that sixth grade reference where we're talking about learning about the life and teachings of Jesus of Nazareth as described in the New Testament. This law protects a teacher who uses the Bible in the classroom to fulfill that academic standard. That's so, just don't, just so don't have in, an altar called the chalkboard in your pocket. Yeah, there you go.
3: <laughs> so they can, in history class and social studies, um, I mean, because really our entire culture is saturated with the Christian faith, uh, um, it's everywhere when it comes to our founding, when it comes to uh, decisions that have been made over the years in court cases, when it comes to things like uh, the Civil War and and these sorts of things. It's everywhere. So uh, if a Christian teacher uh, felt it was re- relevant, they would have no problem bringing up all kinds of things.
4: Absolutely. And then uh, in science class, uh, California... In its 2016 policy, this is not, again, from the 1940s or something, says that it is totally appropriate for um, English classes and history classes to teach about uh, divine origins of the universe, uh, to teach about intelligent design and those sorts of things. Here's what it says. It says, discussions of any scientific fact hypothesis or theory related to the origins of the universe the earth and the light and life the how are appropriate to the science curriculum discussions of divine creation ultimate purposes or ultimate causes the why are appropriate to the history social science and english language arts curriculum wow a lot of a lot of people look at that and say oh well see they're saying you can't have creationism in the science class but look at what they're saying You can have creationism in two other classes, English and history.
3: Well, not only that, what's really interesting there is that it's saying that in the science classes, um, as long as it pertains to the facts. So if you're looking at the geology of the earth and you're examining, um, you know, fossils that actually support the creation hypothesis, you don't have to talk about creation. You can just bring these up and say, right. Hey, they found a T. Rex bone in 2005 that had red blood cells in it. What do you think about
4: that? Uh, well, and in fact, the next paragraph says nothing in science or any other field of knowledge shall be taught dogmatically. Wow, uh, what is a system of beliefs that is not subject to scientific test and refutation. Compelling belief is inconsistent with the goal of education. So, I mean, right there, they're saying you can't, you shouldn't be teaching this stuff dogmatically.
3: That that is really great. I, I, that, that's just uh, amazing to me. I, I think, um, like you're saying, we just have to get the word out. And now are a lot of churches teaming up with you and recognizing the significance of what you're sharing? Are you finding that people are receptive to this? Is this a movement that you feel is growing? Um, what, What can people do to better, better support what you're doing?
4: Well, there's a number of different things. Um, go to our website, and they can. We also have it, there's the initials, GTBE, but we also have just visiting GoGateways, gogateways.org, okay. forward slash events. And there they'll find the event at The Rock and all the information on that. They need to to turn out. They need to tell their friends. They need to sponsor a teacher. Tell one of the teachers at school, hey, I'll pay for you to go. It's only $30. I'll pay for you to go. They get a CD of all the PowerPoint slides that I give during the presentation so they can take it back to their colleagues. Uh, We'd had situations, I was speaking in Ohio, we had a situation there where the teacher went back and she led a staff meeting and went through the slides and repeated this, the conference for them, all the staff in the school.
3: What an awesome uh, teacher. That's so yeah, great. Yeah, so
4: right. it, it's a matter of helping people really spread the word. And we, we call it you know, moving from fear to freedom. Uh, there's so much fear out there. Um, yes, this is being picked up. We have uh, universities now that are using our program in their courses of education. Um, churches are recognizing that, you know, it's not just about giving backpacks and blessing the schools. That's all good. That's all well and good. But uh-huh. what do you do to actually influence your, your own children in that church are going to these public schools? What are we doing to influence what they're being taught in those public schools? And I'm not talking about political uh, activity. I'm talking about just reaching teachers with the truth. Because like Barna says, nearly 50% of the teachers are already Christians. Yeah. It's just that they have Christian hearts and secular minds. Let's help them see that they don't have to teach that way. And uh, and it can change what happens in the culture of a public school.
3: Oh, goodness. That could change what happens in the, the culture of a community. I mean, uh, the impact is incredible. Uh, mm-hmm. So that that is just great. Um, well, my guest today is Eric Buer. Uh, we have one more segment left and we're just going to um, touch on a few more issues that pertain to the whole question of separation of church and state and, and what we can do in the classroom. Um, what, what is a teacher not allowed to do? Where do we draw the line where we say, um, okay, now this is what you can't do? And so, um, Eric Bure is an expert on these issues. He's been, uh, running Gateways to Better Education since the, the early 90s and, uh, he knows this very thoroughly. Um, what we can and can't do and and, uh, the opportunities we have so stay with us we're going to be right back
0: For 36 years, Fastlane Kayaking has helped people like you experience everything that's great about San Diego. Fastlane makes fishing and water sports fun and easy. Hobie Cat kayaks feature a popular pedal system, not paddles, keeping your hands free as you fish. You no longer need to tow and gas up a boat to experience great San Diego fishing. Call or come in for your no-charge demo ride. 619-222-0766. Fastlanesailing.com. At Dana Landing Marine across from SeaWorld,
5: 619
6: conoverhomes.com
3: Welcome to Educate for Life. I'm your host, Kevin Conover. If you are a public school teacher and you have a Christian faith and you want to know what you can do to make a difference in the culture without um, violating the law or uh, potentially jeopardizing your job, uh, you have a great opportunity, Saturday, October 21st, 9 to 1230, uh, K through 12 public school teachers. Uh, There's a conference being put on by the Rock Church and Apples for Teachers is the ministry there associated with the Rock. And Eric Bure is going to be there, and he's going to give you all kinds of incredible information about what you are able to do as a public school teacher. And this is an issue that's near and dear to my own heart. Um, I was reading George Barna's 2017 survey. It said, statistically, a very small amount of younger people have a biblical worldview, only 4% of 18 to 30-year-olds and 7% of 30 to 49-year-olds. And uh, this is a quote from George Barna. He said, We are in a crisis. If the church does not wake up and solve it, biblical Christianity in the United States is in jeopardy. And what Eric's doing is uh, making a dent in that issue. And um, so, Eric, when it comes to – you've shared with us so much of what a teacher can do. Uh, What are the lines that a teacher needs to be careful not to cross uh, on these issues?
4: Well – as one of the things I'll teach in the seminar is, um, you, it's always best to teach by attribution. Um, you attribute it to the source. So, for instance, rather than saying, God said, you'd say, the Bible says. Mm. Or you'd say, in the story, God said. You're attributing it to the source. Um, I We have... Uh, materials on how to teach about Easter. And I'll give you a story of a a teacher who used our our material on Easter. And you can teach all about the religious nature of the holiday and so forth and do artistic expressions of it, have kids uh, draw pictures of the resurrection and all. And one of her kids said, Mrs. So-and-so, did this really happen? And she said, yes. Well, I understand the apologetics of you know, proving that the resurrection occurred and so forth. Sure, But um, it still is a a faith statement. Mm -hmm. And so she would have been better to say, that's why this is so important to Christians, or that's what two billion Christians around the planet believe, or that's what the Bible records, or, C.D., you're attributing it to a source instead of uh, reflecting your own faith. Um, So it just keeps things at a little bit of an arm's length. I often get the question, um, can I keep a Bible on my desk? Yes, you can. Um, Though there's no law against putting a Bible on your desk, uh, a lot of these laws get figured out in the courts, and so that particularly hasn't been challenged. Um, But traditionally, a, a teacher's desk is considered their personal space. And so it's more of an employment issue, an employee issue. I have my personal space. I can put things on my personal space that aren't part of the classroom. Um, the uh, Another question I get is, um, if a student asks me if I'm a Christian or if I go to church, can I answer them? Mm. And my, my advice is be honest and be brief. Um Yes, you can be who you are. <laughs> yes, I'm a Christian, or yes, I go to church, or yeah, you know, this is Christmas is important to me because I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. But don't don't then say, you know, and now that you ask, let me share how you too can have a relationship with Jesus Christ. That's yeah, <laughs> overstep the line. Yeah, uh, be honest and be brief. Uh, but also, I'll challenge teachers with this idea. And I completely understand the notion of wanting to let your students know you're a Christian. I get it. But what if they didn't know you were a Christian, but you were still teaching about all the wonderful things that Christianity has done for the world? Might have actually even come across better.
3: Yeah, (laughs) absolutely.
4: Just throwing it out there for somebody to think about.
3: Oh, that's so powerful because really, um, I I, I find it, even in my own, uh, and I teach a, a biblical apologetics class, that's what I do. But I find it far more effective for me to allow the, the 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 student to come to their own conclusions than for me to draw the conclusions for them. Um mm-hmm. if they're thinking it through, I, I mean the truth is the truth. And so uh ultimately we're we're teaching the child how to think clearly and make good decisions and um and show them, demonstrate, hey, look at, uh, you know, the Salvation Army helped 29, uh, the, 29 people in one year. Uh, what motivated them to make such an impact and, and uh, you know, not charge for their services and so forth? Right. And uh, that's uh, amazing.
4: And, and that reminds me, by the way, of, um, again, a state standard here in California in the high school when they learn about uh, the 1800s in America. They're supposed to actually study the life of. Um, Stories of uh, D.L. Moody and his impact on people's lives. Um, they're supposed to understand organizations like the Salvation Army and how they developed and how they responded to social needs. So uh, that's all part of our social studies history as well.
3: Gosh, that's that's uh, incredible. I I really am curious. Who wrote, I mean, even the intelligent design, you mentioned the science in uh, 2016. You said the standards from 2016. Um, I per, Honestly, I don't know who who is on the, the uh, California Board of Education, uh,
4: you know, who's, who's writing well, these standards. It, it's quite an involved process, mm. and it involves dozens of people, even hundreds of people, because they send these things out when they're developing them. They send them out to a lot of public scrutiny. And uh, and we were part of that um, in reviewing the social studies frameworks that uh, were being uh, updated last summer, and we actually were able to get the um, board to agree to clarify the gospel. They were, they had in there some very, really uh, weak description of Jesus preaching uh, salvation through love, and we were able to say, you know, we know of no... Catholic or Protestant denominations that have a doctrine of salvation through love, yeah. <laughs> not, we say if they would believe in Him as Savior, they put that in. So again, we've got the gospel message uh, in those frameworks. So um, yeah, this, there's just a multitude of people. Obviously, it, it's leaning more liberal, but the standards can't change for now. The standards actually can only be changed by direction from the legislature,
1: mm.
4: it's a little bit more of a political process.
1: Yeah,
4: it'll probably be coming down the road, but it, it's not there now. And uh, so, everything that I'll be talking to the teachers about is about academic freedom, doing it with academic integrity, doing it in a way that they can defend it to anyone. I, as I say, I don't. I'm not trying to get them to sneak something in their classroom.
3: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah.
4: There's just so much they can do. But I find that a lot of teachers, they think very churchy, very Christian-y. And so they want to bring that into the classroom. Well, you know, can I I, uh, play Christian music in the background? That sort of thing. And I, I say, yes, you can, if you're changing it up with other music as well. But I'd be much more interested in you bringing it into your curriculum than yeah. playing it in the background.
1: You know?
3: uh, absolutely. There's there's such a, a great opportunity here to really do this in a way that's tactful, legal, and smart, and really biblical in so many ways. And so uh, why not take advantage of the opportunity that is presented here? So. Uh, just even,
4: to, yeah. even, you know, I, I just realized something, all the hubbub about Common Core. Yeah. Even in the Common Core English Language Arts Standards, they reference the Bible and students needing to understand biblical symbolism and metaphor in
1: their
4: <laughs> English Language Arts studies. That's so great. We do that four times. And so we say, look, okay, you got all the politics of Common Core, but it's there and English teachers, you're expected to teach about the Bible.
1: There you go.
3: <laughs> Eric, I just want to say, that we're, we're out of time here, but I want to say thank you so much for what you do and for being on the program today. It's a huge blessing.
4: Thank you so much.
3: Absolutely. That's Eric Bure, Gateways to Better Education, going to be here in San Diego i um, just around the corner here, October 21st, 9 to 1230 at the Rock Church. Uh, I honestly, uh, this has got to be one of the most important things you could possibly attend. Even if you're not a teacher, I would say, uh, get all your teacher friends and get them to the Rock Church uh, for this event. GTBE.org and then just uh, check out events. I'll see you again next Saturday or maybe you'll hear me and uh, you can see me if you're on YouTube. But otherwise, I'll see you again next week. Um, my website is educateforlife.org. Thanks for joining us
0: today. Have a great Saturday. Did you miss part of today's program? Don't worry, we're committed to helping you get the info you need. Okay, that was dumb. But for real, visit educateforlife.com for podcasts and video recordings of the show and to sign up for the School of Unshakable Faith. Leave us your comments, compliments, questions, or concerns at 800 243 9719 or email kevcon at educateforlife.com. That's KE. E v c o N at educateforlife.com
2: You will always be much more to me and Every
0: day I wrestle with the voices that keep telling me I'm not right But that's all